It's time for episode 459 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM. Recorded Wednesday, July 13th, 2022. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast where it's time at last. My name is Dan Morin, and I'm joined across the internet by my good friend, my pal, my dungeon buddy, my co-host. It's Micah Sargent. How are you doing today, Micah? Oh, Dan, I'm doing well. Thank you so much for asking. I appreciate it. You're very welcome. I like to ask. I like to know how people are doing. Uh, Some of those people may include our special guest this week. To my left, it is my co-host, over at The Rebound, and my scorekeeper over at Inconceivable and The Incomparable, and the host of the show that I'm the scorekeeper on, Friendly Competition, over at The Incomparable. I guess he probably does some other stuff, too. But it is the one and only Lex Friedman. I appreciate that you said I'm the one and only. And Dan, I just don't know how to quit you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And to my left, it is the uh, host of Parallel right here on Relay FM, as well as uh, an all-around awesome writer of the iOS Access book and uh, producer and reporter at the Texas Standard, it's Shelley Brisbane. Hello, Shelley. Hi, Micah. Great to be here. All right, let me kick things off this week. I have a question for you that is technology-related, but also maybe some older technology. Do you borrow books or ebooks from your local library? I guess we could extend that to other types of electronic content, like streaming or audiobooks or stuff like that. And I want to know, how do you feel about digital lending? Lex? Uh, I do. I borrow not just from my local library, but also from uh, the New York Public Library, which isn't that local to me. Um, and I'm a big fan of e-borrowing e-books. Uh, I happen to work for a company that makes a lot of popular e-readers, and uh, I'm grateful that the e-reading devices out there support getting books from the local library. I definitely use the Libby app the most. My kids use it even more heavily than I do. Um, that's where the New York Public Radio Nope, the New York Public Library uh, membership came from because they wanted more books than their local library had. But yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan. I do it all the time. The only thing that I find very annoying on the Kindle is you uh, once your loan is up, you get like an extra book that shows up on the Kindle <laughs> to tell you that your book has oh, been returned. Yeah. And I don't need yeah. that. And it is annoying. But I'm a big fan. It's a nice, it's like a little letter, like in one of those Ken Burns documentaries. Dear Lex, yes. your book has been returned. It is sad to miss you. I've never done this. Um, I think it's a great idea. Uh, you know, everyone should take advantage of this if they can. Um, I have used Amazon's version of this, um, where there are lots of different books that you can get for free and then you can return them afterward. But I mostly use those to get the discount on the Audible audiobook. Uh, because there are, they always have these deals where if you buy the book, then the cost of the audiobook is dropped to like seven ninety nine, and if you use Amazon's like digital lending service, uh, it counts as if you had purchased the book, and so then the price drops to seven ninety nine. So I'm able to get the audiobook version and do that. So. I am not a big uh, sort of eyes-to-text reader. I am much more of an audiobook reader. And uh, so in that way, I have not uh, really taken advantage of this. Although I know you can uh, borrow audiobooks as well. Um, Micah, they give it to you for free. Uh, See, 
that maybe that's what I should be doing. <laughs> I should be looking to see if it's available there instead. Uh, Shelly, what about you? This feels like something I absolutely should be doing and, and haven't, and I'm just going to blame my own laziness or inability to go and figure out how it's done, because I know my local library offers this service, and I have all the, the relevant devices. I'm an audiobook listener, too, but I also... Uh, listen to books in uh, in, in synthetic speech because I'm a total weirdo. So if it's not an audiobook, I'll even turn your digital book into a spoken book and I'll be perfectly happy because I'm used to it. So I consume a lot of books and I really need to take advantage of this because I know the service is out there. I like to think that I just buy the books I want so I can support my favorite authors. And that's kind of true because I have an Audible membership, but it also is just pure laziness and not learning what I need to learn on my part. Well, I am here to inform all of you about the delights of libraries. Um, anybody who's known me for a while probably knows, although maybe you don't. Both of my parents uh, were librarians, so uh, libraries are in my blood. I learned the Dewey Decimal System out. before I could before I could read. Don't get splinter. Yeah, <laughs> no, uh, I, I'm a big fan, uh, especially during the pandemic. Digital ebook lending has become a huge thing for me because, uh, you know, for a while there, the library wasn't open or was only open for curbside, uh, and during colder months, especially, it's like, well, yeah, I walk all the way over there and I gotta, you know, do this. But uh, using the Libby app, which which Lex mentioned, has been fantastic. Uh, I can especially recommend integration with e-readers. Kobo in particular does really good integration with OverDrive. Uh, Amazon's integration is fine, but it's a little more cumbersome than Kobo's. Sorry, Lex. Uh, And... I, they have a fantastic amount of other stuff, including um, movies and other uh, digital content via services like Can- Canopy and Hoopla. So I highly recommend checking it out if you haven't, because the library is a great way to get these things. I was bringing this up in part because I did see there was some more foo about this ongoing um, sort of legal battle between the Internet Archive and the publishers uh, about sort of this library, quote unquote, that the Internet Archive has started, which I have some uh, thoughts about but perhaps that is a more in-depth topic for another time so i recommend check out your local library which needs your support and offers a ton of great resources thank you all for your thoughts on this topic let's go to our second topic which comes from lex i want to be clear though dan i'll be buying your new book not not borrowing it from local library. <laughs> thank you i appreciate uh, it. <laughs> my question is when do you install public betas and more specifically and selfishly when should i install ios 16 and i guess are you already running ios 16 the, this is a great question. Um, so I do tend to, uh, I'm, I have a developer account, and I tend to install the uh, beta, not the public beta, but the developer beta on my devices on the day of or the day after uh, Apple announces the new technology at WWDC. Um, I have the luxury of having multiple devices, though, so that when I install them on an iPad, I still have another iPad I can use that is functioning with the last version. And also so that when I do a show that I do uh, called iOS Today, I can still show people the operating system they already have on their devices. Um, As far as this version, iOS 16, uh, I... I'm I'm very hesitant to suggest that people do the public beta just yet. Um, there are quite a few buggy things going on with iOS 16 in particular, uh, and so that of course translates over to iPadOS as well. Um, macOS 
is uh, definitely a no-go, in my opinion, for the public beta. Uh, so yeah, I, ultimately, I think I, I hesitate to suggest that anyone go on the public beta until maybe uh, the second or third one as uh, maybe like the end of July, whatever comes at the end of the Jul- of July, I, I would probably feel a little bit better about than suggesting it right now. I've been running the, the beta and for the most part it works, but I still do have regular shutdowns. And in fact, just yesterday, uh, host emeritus Jason Snell was on MacBreak Weekly and his iPad crashed in the middle of the show. <laughs> it restarted, which was fine, but still, uh, he, was, he suffered a crash at, at go time, which was not fun. Uh, Shelly, what about you? I mean, that's just drama for the show, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, so I also install a developer beta specifically of iOS because I'm writing this iOS uh, accessibility book every year. And so July through September is kind of my sprint to get to know all the features. And I have a spare device or two that I do that on. I almost never do Mac OS because I think of my Mac as the machine without which I cannot live. I mean, I... I Whatever happens to my phone or my iPad, I can manage. It's all backed up. It's ever. It's and I have multiple ones of it, as I said. But uh, Mac OS, I don't. I don't even have Monterey on my work iMac right now. <laughs> That's how far behind I am. It's ridiculous, uh, and I need to sort that out. Uh, and I agree that because developer betas, especially since I since I do those, those are sort of out of sync with uh, public betas. And I believe in allowing the great masses of public beta users to be my beta testers for a month or so before I'm even going to put anything like yeah, my sort of default is don't install anything until August if you're based on public betas it has nothing to do with a specific experience I've had it's just it takes a while for them to bake and is there anything that you really need in that public beta that you're super excited about and have to install right now in my case the answer is usually no Hello, everyone. It is me, ghost of your future betas, <laughs> having installed all the betas. Uh, well, not all of them, but uh, I, I mean, you know, like so many of the people here, I cover technology for a living, which means installing betas and oftentimes even installing developer betas just to get an early jump on things. I have been running a beta on my phone and my iPad and my MacBook Air now for a little while. And part of that was to have an opportunity to write about these things, uh, which, you know, I have to do. It's my job. And part of it is not as much as you can install stuff on separate devices, to Micah's point. I actually don't really have any lying around because I tend to have to go through my devices these days. But also, you need to kind of live with it, right? And, like, there's a weird experience of having stuff on extra phones or extra tablets where if it's not got all your stuff and all your apps and whatever, it's like a it's like going on vacation. It's like, oh, it's a nice place to visit, but you're not really living there. So I end up having to install these things kind of on my production-ish stuff. But I don't, I don't update my iMac until much later, generally after the full release is out, um, because that is where I do, you know, podcast recording and stuff that I have to depend on. So I always have my iMac as, like, a machine that is, solid but i don't mind updating uh my phone or my ipad as much i'm actually considering doing the uh, watch public beta too so i drew the line at the home pod public beta they've got this year if only because my wife uses that and she's more likely to get annoyed about it than i am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean uh, there, there were years where dan would i think rightly judge me for how quickly i would install the first developer beta on my oh, how the tables have turned. production phone <laughs> um and i really don't I don't have a specific reason not to right now. I know that if I if I have travel planned, I get very hesitant about installing betas on my main phone. Um, I don't carry an extra phone to, to use. And I honestly, the way you guys were talking about your Macs is the same way I think about my 
iPad too, where not that I use it for work, but like I just want my iPad to function. <laughs> the phone, I don't mind if it, it actually gets a little bit crashy, especially because you know I'm working from home right now. It's not that big a deal. But I think I'm, I think I'm still not ready. I think I'm going to wait till the next public beta as we record in, on July 13th. I'm, I'm, I'm going to wait till the next one. I think that one will probably be the one that pushes me over. I did have my brother-in-law say, I need you to install it because I want to start gaslighting you by editing the texts I send you. <laughs> so <laughs> if that's not motivation, I don't know what is. Wow. Yeah. That'll that that'll get you updating right quick. <laughs> well, that is two topics down, two topics left to go, which of course means it is halftime here at Clockwise, and this week's episode is brought to you by our friends at Text Expander. And Mike is gonna tell you a little more about why you should check that out. Yeah, because I'm a huge text expander fan. And uh, look, if you are uh, working in a small team or even by yourself, every single moment of of what you're doing, it it counts. You don't want to be wasting your time finding video conferencing details to send to a new client or track down the same FAQs from the company website. These are all the kinds of things you want at your fingertips so you can get your work done faster. And that's why you need text expander. With text expander, you can access what you type the most with just a few keystrokes. This allows you to work faster and eliminate repetition, letting you focus on what matters to you. Text Expander's powerful shortcuts and abbreviations streamline your work. All you have to do is type a short abbreviation, and Text Expander does the rest for you. You build and collect your most commonly used phrases, messages, URLs, and more right within Text Expander, and then you create your chosen abbreviation. So, you know, you've got a long phrase about uh, the the setup process for your CMS at work, and you could just do semicolon CMS, and it automatically expands to put all of that text in wherever you are typing. You could even customize the snippets by having them automatically add in dates, fill in the blank fields, timestamps, and so much more. It makes sure that you keep the personality in your communications, but also you get that accuracy. And it's available on any device you use across any app you use because it's on Mac, it's on Windows, it's on Chrome, it's on iOS, it's in all of those places. Uh, I have an example of one way that I use Text Expander. I have a show called Tech News Weekly, and we have guests on the show. And part of the process is getting those guests tested before we go live to make sure that they have uh, the correct audio and video settings and at all of that kind of stuff. So I have a uh, shortcut that's called Tech Check. And when I type that in, then it auto expands all of this information about our engineering team who reaches out and the link that they need to go to to set up an appointment with the uh, engineering team and all this other stuff. It's a huge, uh, you know, couple of paragraphs and some links. And I don't have to type that out every time because Text Expander does that for me. Very handy. Uh, if repetitive typing is getting you down, well, you need Text Expander. Check out Text Expander today at textexpander.com slash clockwise. That's going to get you 20% off your first year. Textexpander.com slash clockwise to say goodbye to repetitive typing. Our thanks to Text Expander for sponsoring this week's episode of Clockwise and for their support of Relay FM. All right, back from the break, and it is my turn. My question for you, what is your favorite iOS, macOS, or Windows utility app? Of course, it depends on what you use regularly, but um, your favorite utility app for one of those devices or platforms. Shelly, we'll start with you. God, it's hard to decide because defining a utility is is difficult, <laughs> and I, it's different on different days. I'm just going to go with Keyboard Maestro, which is a macOS utility that allows you to create 
uh, all sorts of shortcuts, whether they be based on keyboard shortcuts or scripts or actions. And uh, I have it doing all sorts of things. I have it set up my environment for the entire day. I have it open apps. I have it uh, do particular functions in connection with my little stream deck. So it's it's a great sort of middleware thing for all kinds of automation. And I always feel like I'm not using it to the fullest extent I possibly could. But at, at some point, I, I add you know new little things all the time. And it, it, it just brings me joy. Uh, this is tough. I agree with Shelley trying to figure out what a utility is, but I'm going to pick my, my favorite nerdy utility, which is the terminal app. I love the terminal app. I don't know. I, when, when Mac OS 10 first came out, you know, more than 20 years ago, the fact that it had a terminal app was such a big deal at that point. I had done some work on Linux and things like that. And, you know, uh, used to maintain windows and DOS computers and, and being able to like, you know, go into terminal and start mucking around with all the, the Unix underpinnings was a delight to me. And still today, I, it is the only real like utility style app I think of that lives in my dock. Uh, and on the uh, on the iOS side, I would say it's a uh, prompt by Panic, which is an SSH client, which again lets me get into Terminal on other devices, which is super fun. Um, so I don't know. It's got it's in some ways it's just a portal to a whole bunch of like other utility apps on the command line. But I just find it so useful, and I love having the ability to uh, to pop in there. So that's that's my favorite. Lex. Well, I, I debated saying terminal, and I debated text expander, <laughs> but you've heard about both those already. I'm going to go with iStat menus. A lot of people use iStat menus in a lot of different ways, but it's a Mac menu bar utility. Uh, I use it to uh, keep tabs on both my CPU activity and my network activity in one little menu cluster. And in a second one, it uh, it's a battery status for all the things. Uh, my dog says hi, by the way. Um, but uh, it, I, it lets me know the battery level of the laptop I'm using, but also of my trackpad and my keyboard. And it's like a replacement for the uh, built-in uh, macOS battery menu. And I find it super helpful and use it all day. So that's mine. iStat menus. Nice. Um, all excellent selections. Uh, so originally mine was going to be uh, Mac Bartender, but then mm-hmm. Jason Snell came on to uh, Mac Brick Weekly yesterday and uh, absolutely just took all of the free time I had away from me because he mentioned SwiftBar. Oh, SwiftBar great. is this... It's a super cool uh, utility app that lets you create kind of any menu bar program you want on your Mac. So the idea here is that you can kind of get these different plugins or create your own that will let you keep track of all sorts of different things. It's like iStat menus, but it's uh, iStat menus for life. So, for example, Jason uses his to ping his own weather station uh, at his house and have uh, weather tracking there. He's also tied into the uh, Apple's new weather API to get information there. You can have it tell you, you know, what's currently playing in Spotify if you're doing that. Uh, if you want a daily dad joke in your menu bar, you could have that there as well. I just call Dan and get my dad jokes there, but... Um, <laughs> You know, any any way that you want to. I mean, there are so many different options that you can have. And it's also a fun way to uh, do a little bit of coding, to kind of encourage yourself to do a little bit of coding. Um, originally created for Bitcoin stuff, which obviously I don't care about, but um, just so many other options available for tracking finances and network stuff. And uh, I mean, just... 
the, the sky's the limit. And so I, I, I had to give a shout out to Swift Bar for being all of those things because it's a super cool utility app. All right, folks, let us move on to the final show topic, which comes from Shelly. So TikTok has announced that it's going to allow some filtering. Uh, TikTok, if you haven't used it, is unlike YouTube, uh, you, you just get presented whatever the algorithm decides to present you and you flick through videos. And it's been criticized for siloing users and limiting the kind of content they can see and sometimes showing people inappropriate content or content that might be sad or depressing because maybe somebody previously chose that kind of content. And so TikTok is now going to allow filtering. And I guess my question, because uh, it's it's not an assumption that everybody uses TikTok. So I'm wondering, uh, do you use TikTok? And do you feel like the algorithm has served your needs and made made you happy or given you what you wanted? I'm going to answer your question and then pivot, which is to say, I don't use TikTok, so I don't have firsthand experience with this. However, I do use Instagram, which also uses an algorithm. And my feeling on that is that I hate it, <laughs> which is, <laughs> and I understand there are different apps for different purposes. So I understand that, that there is a different element to that. But the fact that I spend so much time on Instagram scrolling through things that are not posts from the people that I came there to see posts from really is frustrating. I've had the similar issue on Twitter whenever I've dipped into the web client rather than using something like Tweetbot, where the algorithm tries to decide what I want to see rather than just showing me a list of things that people have said, which is why I follow those people. So I think that, you know, certainly adding more tools to let people filter out content that they don't want to see or to filter and highlight content they do want to see is definitely positive. I worry a lot about the way that these algorithms kind of shape our perception of basically everything that's going on online, right? Like if, if algorithms just feed you more of what you what it thinks you want to see, then you end up in this weird sort of bubble where you don't, don't really have to deal with things that challenge your, your preconceived notions, or you end up with things that end up feeding you content that you don't, I don't know. I, I ended up in Instagram with a whole bunch of content where it showed me clips from like stand-up shows. And it's like, it would run the game between every once in a while, like, oh, that that's kind of funny. And things that I was like, that's yeah, not funny, and I think it's borderline offense. <laughs> I don't want that in my feed anymore. So I think in general, adding more tools to filter out these kinds of things is a benefit. Um, so yeah, I hope that that works for TikTok too. Lex, uh, I neither tick nor talk, um, but uh, my answer. I I, large, I I largely could just say that I I play Dan's answer. Um, uh, where I think about this is. Uh, you know, I for for a couple of years I was off Facebook. Um, I guess for four years I was off Facebook, and it was great. Um, and now I'm still in the process of retraining my feed, mostly to tell it to stop sending me notifications about people I don't care about posting updates. Uh, but every time I mute those, I'm like, well, I wonder if this is also bad for me. I had not an identical mindset this morning, but I there was some news story today about inflation, and. Uh, I definitely have too many things that are allowed to send push notifications to my phone, but I got push notifications from the New York Times and CNN and the Washington Post and Twitter all telling me about the same story. And I realized that it makes the story feel like a bigger deal when I'm getting put. Oh, and then Apple News, when I'm getting the same story sent to me over and over again over the span of like 20 minutes, it's just, it starts, everybody's talking about this. Really, they're all just reporting the same story and I'm getting notified about <laughs> it over and over again. I think that we do some of this with just our friend circles too. Like even pre internet days, we would spend more time, I think, with uh, 
like-minded-ish people than we did people who, you know, told us things we didn't want to hear. <laughs> That's just kind of human nature. So I don't think it's a uniquely internet problem, but I think it's certainly exacerbated by algorithm, algorithms like TikToks. So uh, I'm not going to say that's why I don't use TikTok, but if that makes me sound like a better human, then we'll go with that. That's why I don't use, I'm just too old to use TikTok, you guys. That's the answer. Too old. So I have to I, I have to disagree. I think that no one is too old to scroll through TikTok and have a laugh because uh, that's what I use it for exclusively is on occasion um, because I know that if I didn't do it on occasion, I would do it all the time and then it would it would be a time sink. Um, they're just delightful and often sweet things that I see uh, on TikTok. I'll open it up and mine is almost exclusively like birds dancing to music and dogs being adorable, sweet, cute dogs and occasionally a recipe uh, of someone like showing how to do a thing and then some funny things. Mostly I don't care about humans humans and, and when I'm watching TikTok, I should be clear. I don't care about the humans doing things, except if it's singing, somebody comes on and they're singing beautifully and I'm just, you know, breathtaking and my eyes get a little teary and all that kind of thing. It probably sounds like what I'm about to say, which is that TikTok's algorithm works very well for me. Um, it is very rare that I have found something uh, just in going through that For You page that I don't like because um, I, I know that every time I, I've done a good job of training TikTok's algorithm because if it's something that I like, especially related to animals, I will tap the little save button that saves the video to my phone so that I can then share it with my partner because he refuses to use TikTok, even though he basically just watches TikTok videos on Twitter and on Instagram because someone has reposted them from TikTok. So he's a TikTok user, but he just doesn't want to be officially. So that I share them with him uh, in text message, his own private little TikTok thing. Uh, so yeah, I've kind of trained the AP or the API. I've kind of trained the algorithm and uh, I'm happy with it. Uh, but if there was something that popped up that I didn't like, I would be happy to know that I could filter as well. Uh, Shelly, why don't you round us out here? Like you, Micah, I have gotten a great deal of joy from TikTok and that's how I use it. I use it to wind down. I have to limit myself because you do get sort of in a scrolling pattern and it is not doom scrolling. In my feed, it's usually very happy and it's usually stuff I either enjoy or don't hate or or don't you know find it's not good like there might be something that's just a badly done tiktok but rarely mm -hmm. do i find something that's offensive or obnoxious or whatever usually agrees with my my politics and my sense of the world and you know am i living in an ivory tiktok tower probably yes <laughs> my experience of instagram is so different and and like like dan I'm, I'm presented a lot of things i don't want there's more sponsored content there's more hey would you like to see this because you like that and they're almost always wrong. And the way I curate my Instagram feed is mostly people I know. So in theory, that's where I go to see my friends more so than say, Facebook, where I am because I have to be but not because I want to be. And and TikTok, I have friends that I follow, but mostly it's the for you page. And I have found it delightful. But I'm also not naive enough to think that it's going to stay that way because the Instagram algorithm or the way that Instagram has presented things to me has changed over time and become more junky and more skippable, to be honest. I, I use TikTok more than I use Facebook, uh, than Instagram. Whether I'll use the filters, perhaps, especially if it gets, you know, annoying, I'll probably look at them and see whether they're filters that I feel like I need. Uh, but for the moment, I'm just going to enjoy the silliness that is the TikTok feed that I have. All right, that's four topics down. We got just enough time for a bonus topic. This week's bonus topic brought to you by The Nova Incident, a book coming out in less than two weeks. Go to dmorin.com slash The Nova Incident and you can pre-order a copy still. I've got to put in a plug for myself because Lex said he was going to buy my book. All right, 
bonus topic this week. I want to know, do you have a favorite mug or other drinking vessel, Lex? For a long time, I always just liked gigantic mugs when I was heavily a tea drinker because I wanted as much quantity as possible. But having switched to coffee, now I like really charming mugs, um, which typically is defined as ones my kids gave me for Father's Day. Uh, Most recently, it's a red mug, my favorite color, with a sign on it that says, ask me about my dad jokes. (laughs) All right. So clearly, I need to call Lex for my dad jokes. Going forward, I have made that note. Um, For me, it is my ember mug. Yes, I am a bougie (laughs) fool who has an ember mug, but as a coffee drinker who is uh, also a bit of a coffee snob. I refuse to heat my coffee in a microwave if it gets cool. I'm also a coffee drinker. I drink one big cup of coffee a day, and I drink it out of an insulated metal travel mug. Uh, I'm a tea drinker, and my mug of choice is a uh, USS Enterprise NCC-171A mug. Oh, Star Wars. Yeah, I hate you so much. (laughs) Hey, if you'd like to get ad-free episodes with an extra overtime topic every week, you can become a member of Clockwise. Just go to relay.fm slash clockwise. You can sign up for just $5 a month or $50 a year, and you'll help support the show. In this week's overtime topic, we discuss our excitement or lack thereof for space. Well, we have reached the end of the show, and all that remains is for us to thank our fantastic guest this week, Lex Friedman. Thank you so much for being here. My pleasure. And Shelley Brisbane, thanks so much for joining us. It was a delight as always. And Micah, you'll be back next week, <gasps> but I will not. The heck you say. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, don't worry, everybody. I'm not Dan's leaving. Dan's going into space. I'm going to space. <laughs> I am, Space nerd. I'm not uh, I'm not leaving the show permanently, but I am going to be taking several weeks off during the summer as my wife and I welcome our new kid. So I will be <laughs> a little Dan. Yes, I will be on break uh, for the rest of the summer and uh, host emeritus Jason Snell has very graciously agreed to fill in my spot for me. So he'll keep that seat nice and warm, I hope. And I look forward to uh, rejoining you all sometime later this year. But uh, until then, uh, we have to remind you, as we always do, watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody. Bye.